Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Another busy week, Andrew. Aren't Preble they pod all? Week. They're all like this now. This is the new normal. I can't imagine going back to a normal soccer calendar where there is just not this like frenetic midweek schedule. Now, this is this is normal. Like Champions League midweeks is normal. I just mean the fact that we have midweek action every week. Yeah. No, I but, hear you. But it's, and some, it's, some of the it's ga- something. Some of the games from this week uh, were more interesting than others. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the Champions League midweek action. I should also tell all of you right now... Um, in the midst of your Champions League excitement, MLS begins this weekend. We do also have a special, a third podcast out this week, an MLS preview. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, it may or may not be up yet. If you're if you've got this list, if you're listening right now and it's it's early Thursday morning, the MLS one's not up yet. It's going to be coming down Thursday um, mid afternoon, probably around four o'clock Eastern time or so. Um, so uh, around that time, check your feeds if you need to be educated on everything that's going to be happening this season in uh, MLS. Max Bretos, one of the voices of LAFC, and this season the voice, one of the voices on Apple. Uh, he'll join us as well uh, to give us some of his thoughts on the season. So make sure you check that out because uh, it's here. It is upon us, and you're going to want to know what's going on. So we do all we can to catch you up um, with things that went down during the offseason and get you ready for this coming season. But, JJ, we are here right now to talk about the things that happened in the midweek with the Champions League. Oh. And some of those things were not only notable, they were historic. Um, we have to start with what happened at Anfield on Tuesday night. It was, I mean, it's definitely one of those moments that is that is shocking to a soccer fan because it's just scenes that you don't you just don't normally see. Like, look, it's not crazy that Real Madrid would beat Liverpool. It's no. just not like they they've done it routine somewhat somewhat routinely of late. Um, like there's there's nothing su- surprising about that, especially even in this year when Liverpool are having a bit of a down year. I think it's just the nature of the way in which it went down. I mean, for Liverpool to jump out to a two-goal lead and you think, oh, like this is their tournament. European Knights at Anfield, for whatever struggles they're experiencing domestically, this is where we see the Liverpool that we've known for the last few seasons. They may not have enough to do it across all competitions, but damn it, they can still do it here. And then, bang, bang. It was, un- the turnaround was, it was stunning. It was truly stunning stuff to watch. And I'm so curious for your perspective, not just like the analyst or or media member JJ Devaney, but like for a Liverpool fan, what was that experience to watch that? Oh, it was shocking, um, absolutely shocking. I watched the game at the Monroe Bar because you know the white shirts of Real Madrid have have me scarred from two successive European Cup finals where I've seen them Liverpool beaten, and in particular the last one in uh, in last May where I thought Liverpool were the better side. The fall-off between that team and this team is just horrifying. But it's like, you know when you break up with someone and maybe you go for dinner and you're talking about it and you know it's over, but they give you a glimpse of like why it was good the first time. Like, that was Liverpool. Like, the way they started, like, <laughs> they they scared Real Madrid into, into two goals. You know, into it was like those... those those nights in seventeen eighteen, uh, where where we had Manchester City and Roma, and we, we just destroyed them early on. This early blitz, and you think Liverpool are are going to go on now and win this, but that's not the Liverpool um, we know anymore. That Liverpool is gone, and um, and you know, I I, I tweeted uh, on Saturday. Uh, such was my joy at beating Newcastle. Maybe I turned off my analytical mind a little bit because. I mean, Newcastle were down to 10 men for most of the game yeah. and they created plenty of chances and Allison had to come up big. But I tweeted out um, Stringer Bell. I want everyone to put, <laughs> uh, put it out there that we back up. Well, we not back you up. You did that? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I'll admit to it. I was just buzzing. I was really happy. And uh, I had a few beers in me. So I thought, yeah, why not? Oh, my God. I mean, this. <laughs> but no, this was. Um... Oh, no. Yeah, I know. This is. Uh... This was so, I, I wonder, 
because I saw such it was like for maybe 25 minutes it was as good as Liverpool have played all season and yet this was encapsulated in a game where they get battered 5-2 and you know I could talk about winning the XG but like Real Madrid in that yeah, second half yeah let's talk about that Liverpool Liverpool hadn't a kick in the second half not a kick it <laughs> yeah. was it was Real Madrid just just turned it on and um, I think we should probably go goal by goal in this game. Um, well, I, I have a couple questions, which will kind of lead us a little bit into that. Yeah. Um, I'm, but, I, want, I wonder, just to, to finish my point, uh, my thought, I wonder, and I continue to wonder, if Allison had just kicked the ball away and not hit it right off Vinicius, who wasn't even trying to close him down, like, well, he was closing him down, but he wasn't trying anything. His back was turned. If he had kicked it anywhere else, and Liverpool had maintained that lead, what would have happened? I still think Madrid would win. I still feel that. But um, this was a fiasco, a total fiasco. Who does the, who, a game like this, who does it say more about? Is it Liverpool that they're just n- not nearly enough in the tank to compete with teams of this caliber? Or is it Madrid, just like the ruthlessness, the it's talent, cool. the... It's both, isn't it, really? Because, like, take, for example, the, the Benzema goal, the um, the break where Fabinho... Like, let's break that one down for a second. So Fabinho loses the ball because Fabinho is a shadow of the player he was. He's physically wrecked and mentally wrecked, too. So he loses the ball. But then it's Modric. Modric, who's like 37, blazing away. And it's Vinicius cutting through and scything through. I mean, that's all Real Madrid. I mean, the defending is not good and Liverpool are hugely exposed. But it's Vinicius flicking the ball into, into Benzema's path. It's him going around the keeper and, you know... It's I mean, a, fake it's a three fo- guys out of the screen. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a football cliche. But to finish, finish with a plum doesn't cut... doesn't even get close to what he did. It was just a brilliant finish. That's Madrid. I mean, that's who they are. And, um, and they can start the game in the Champions League 2-0 down and come back and do that. Um, Jamie Carr made the point on the broadcast, uh, Paramount Plus, Liverpool, Klopp are trying to play, uh, Klopp's trying to play Klopp football with, with players that can't do it. And um, and like even even within the game, like I thought uh, Bajicic for an 18-year-old was brilliant at times early on, but he's responsible for coughing up the ball um, twice in the, and, and not tracking a runner in the lead up to goals. You know, uh, that's Madrid too as well. You look at that, like, it was a lot to ask of him against that midfield last night. It was an awful lot to ask. Yeah, and, he he um, got an education. He did, but, it, I, I mean, in the lead-up to the to the first Liverpool goal, um, the, which was brilliantly taken by Darwin Nunes, it's his skill and composure, settles the ball and plays it quickly, and Liverpool are on the attack. Um, but it felt... Uh, this felt like a... One of those. We're going to remember this game forever. Yeah, for yeah. the wrong like, reasons. If you're a Liverpool I, supporter, but I, it, it, like it's it not quite. Like, this does feel like an inflection point, Andrew. It really does. Yeah, I, I think it might. It might be. I mean, look in terms of the the remembering it forever. It's not quite Barca Bayern the eight two in twenty twenty. Um, although that one was five two late, and then remember Bayern scored three in like the last five minutes. Um, but the fact but it, that like it, it, this one it was at Anfield, larger... that was with a, a weird COVID neutral site game. Like mm. it's it's not quite the ex- to the extremeness of that, but it's not far off. No, and it has that larger feel about it because it's not just you have to take it in the context of everything else that's happened to Liverpool. Um, and like you said, the big night at Anfield, Liverpool getting off to a two nil two nil start, a flying start, the crowd behind them, and then it all falls apart. Um, I was listening to Ken Early on Second Captains today and he made some interesting points. Like, maybe Klopp has to do something different here. Like, this well, isn't working anymore. So that's what, So I wanted to ask you about that. So Liverpool, in the entirety of last season, conceded 48 goals. They've already conceded 46 this season and it's February. Like, they're going to blow that number out of the water. Um so you so you see that and you you know we talked about we've spoken about the players at length for this Liverpool team but you do at a certain point have to wonder about this Klopp system and for it to work here 
there has to be like a defensive ethic at all three levels for Liverpool forwards who press midfielders who run defenders who are, I mean, in the past impenetrable. None of those things are happening now. None of them. No, but you have that. Look at that midfield tonight. You have Fabinho who, like I said, has fallen off a cliff physically, mentally Henderson, who's just, he's up there now. He's he's a lot of miles in the clock and by who's 18 years old. They can't do those things. It was interesting how much on the left-hand side in the first half you saw Darwin Nunes tracking back and defending because he had to fill into the slot. Like, are there compromises that both fullbacks don't bomb forward at the same time? That maybe from now on one has to hold. Like, we, we just, like, the, the team can't do that. Um, do, do we, like, can Klopp coach a team to be compact and maybe more counterattacking? Maybe not have the emphasis on of, of dominating the ball. Maybe try to lo- use Gakpo and Nunes in a more um, reactionary kind in, of in way, a, in Ra- more of a Real Madrid type way. Well, whatever, but but maybe not like maybe not like this. It just feels it's not well, then, it's, it's not the team it used to be, and you're asking the team it you're asking this team to do the things that that previous team could do, and it's it, they can't. I think when you start asking questions about whether or not Klopp needs to change his system for this to work, then then I think you start to head down a a, a different road because he he's not because he's not changing his system. So then, what is the question you're really asking? Well, can you can you continue with this with this manager? Right. Um, the groundswell of love, the groundswell of support for him is so big, Andrew that. This has a long way to run before we get to that point. And that that might be good and bad. But we have yet to see Klopp in his career change. And I don't mean change. There were there are tactical changes between the 17-18 team and the team that won the league. There there definitely was more control in midfield and, and more domination of the ball than 17-18. I, definitely. But we're I'm not asking like what might be required now is a bigger change than than he's ever done. Um, a change of mindset. Unless you're unless you're able to go out then and buy the kind of there, there was there was always a kind of a lightning in the bottle feel about Firmino was already at the club. They go and get Salah. They absolutely what a home run Salah was. Yeah. And and Mane, um, they got him because they knew he could do this. And then there was other pieces like look look at that look at that midfield from seventeen eighteen versus that midfield from tonight and I'm talking uh, Henderson, Genie Wijnaldum, and then maybe eighteen nineteen we'll throw Fabinho in there like just look at the physicality look at the running look at the pressing like that is that midfield is gone it's gone um, and then you look at defensively um, Joe Gomez just. Mm. That's that's a game, that's a game you, you struggle to recover from. Look at Van Dyke as well, um, and then being caught in the channels uh, because your full backs are are exposed because they have to be so high up the field. It just feels like we need something different, and and um, and the question is whether the the manager has the flexibility to to change this because, like I said, it's not a tweak; it's a systems change. And like we said, that's that is a bigger conversation that is probably best left for for another day. Um, so back to this game specifically, you mentioned the goals before. I guess I would pose the question to you this way: um, Liverpool are two nil up. So with that sort of being like the baseline here for this question, I'm curious what you think the biggest moment of the game was. Like basically, what was the Real Madrid goal where you said, "Uh oh." Oh, I, I was going oh from from Vinny Junior in the box with bodies in front of him and being able to dig out a shot of such power. So the first goal, the one that oh, made it to ap- oh the the silence that engulfed, um, the 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 Monroe after that because it was pretty raucous, and then and then he gets it out of his feet and bends it bends it round Gomez again or, and you think he's no angle to shoot but he's got such quick feet and then straight away you're like oh 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 it it just came from nothing. It it was just so stunning that goal. Yeah, and that's what he's capable of. He is a truly brilliant footballer. And you called it like years ago. Like oh, I loved he, him. 
when he, he yeah, I even remember remember he had those frustrating though uh, periods where yeah, he, he would like where, miss the la- he would do unbelievable work in the build up and then kind of miss the last pass or he would take kind of an ill advised shot instead of laying it off to someone else for a better shot like but he was so young and you could just see the talent and if he had the right manager to harness it which he clearly has uh, then you just you knew it was there in him to to be a, a global superstar and but, he's found it he's there he's yeah, alive he's, he's even more polished and, and deadly now as a as a finisher um so so that goal like really and then the needless nature of the of the equalizer and the, and the comedy way it just plopped into the net oh Un, it was unbelievable yeah and, so, and what i mean it was so unbelievable because like it was it was right after not right after but like real Courtois had just gifted Liverpool, had just gifted Salah a goal. And you think, actually, oh, my God, it can't. What a night for him. Oh, boy. Can't get worse than that for a goalkeeper. Hold my beer. Yeah. I mean, and then you look at the the the, the goal that puts them ahead. Um, The free kick in the second half. It's so early on in the second half as well. It can't happen. But for the me, ball is... for me, that's the that's my answer. By the way, that to... was the key one for you. Yeah, I, and look, you're not you're not wrong in saying that Vinny Junior. That saying his first one was your uh oh moment because that was sort of the that was sort of the realization of if we thought this was going to be easy, it's not going to be. Uh oh. So I get I get why you would feel that way. But for me, like, okay, it it was at least still two two. And like whatever shock there was from Real Madrid's comeback, how quickly it happened, how quickly they got it back to two two. Okay, you have you have halftime now. Let's let's gather ourselves. Let's regroup. It's tied. It's a brand new game. And then two minutes in, bang! It's like it's like halftime never even happened. All the momentum from the first half. You thought maybe halftime could cut it off and Liverpool could gather themselves. Nope. In the blink of an eye, it was gone. And you, I, I think you knew at that point they're not winning this game. I don't know that I thought it would get to five. But I think when Militao scored that quickly, I thought, oh, they're they're done. They got nothing. I thought what Modric did was so good. Now, like the free kick is really close. And again, it's it's Gomez making a decision there. And like I thought, first of all, it wasn't a free kick, but it definitely was. He's kicked the leg from from underneath. Um but but the free kick itself, so close to the goal, Andrew, and he drills it with the inside of his foot. Like he sh- he absolutely smashes that. And once it hits Militao's head, there's no, there's no, there's no chance you're stopping it. Yeah. Because of the fear, the, the the venom on on on. It was an unusual cross, not one you really see very regular. The way that he hit, he hit it, but it's part of his brilliance. Someone's got to track him. Someone's got to go with him. It's hard though because of the the the, the closeness to the goal. Um, Nunes definitely should do more though. I think. Um, and then you see it all just kind of falls apart. Um. The 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 fourth goal, I mean, it Bacetich just doesn't follow the runner, and then it takes this wicked deflection off Gomez, and uh, you know Gomez playing the Hans Molman from the Simpsons role, where seemingly something can't go wrong, but it does go wrong, and all you're left is with him going, "Oh dear," um, <laughs> just a mess, absolute mess, and then. I mean, the Benzema goal was brilliant. It really was brilliant. Um, but it was a, it was a. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. As much as you're kind of going to try now and harness the spirit of the comeback against Barcelona, um, it ain't happening. I just can't see it. I we'll talk about that in a sec. Before we get to that, I just want to say about Real Madrid, uh, in like on the scale of admirable qualities that a team can have, I think this is this is tops for me. Bounce this ability. Back ability. This ability in it's not just bounce back ability, but it's like in in the elite competition against the most elite against the most elite competition. Like that's what the Champions League is. You're playing the best of the best. And for them to do it so routinely, like they're just they're just never they're just never shaken by it. No. Like I mean, you can go through them. Like this one, it, it's they're down two goals after 14 minutes, and then what 45 minutes later they're up 5-2 uh remember back to the Manchester City one it's 70 in the 73rd minute they're down 5-3 on aggregate in the 95th they're up 6-5 
ridiculous stuff against PSG in the 61st minute. They're down 2-0 on aggregate. Just 17 minutes later, they're up 3-2. Against Chelsea, 80th minute, down 4-3. 96th minute, up 5-4. Like, this is like key moments in games, late in games when pressure is at its highest against good clubs. Like, it's... It's an amazing trait that Carlo Ancelotti has instilled within them, that you are never out of a game. We've heard him say it time and time again, um, and and they've proven it. They're never out of it. You cannot kill this team off. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, even, even the most ardent Liverpool supporter could look at that and say, that's, that's a team right there. Like that, yeah. That's an impressive team. Um, just to get your perspective, at... 3-2, the cross that goes into the box and Nunes, there's a hand on Nunes' back. I think it's, it's a Car- Carvajal. Um, what did you think of that? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and see it again. In the air, yeah. I don't know that it left enough of an impact on me to... Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either. I'm, I mean, it was, it was, I think... Uh, I think because it was one arm or one hand, and yeah, maybe maybe it wasn't. I'm, what I really struggled with was when I was thinking about um about this game was like just how awful the second half was and how there was just like no, yeah, it was Danny Carvajal. There was no, you know, nothing from Liverpool, no yeah. chances that second half. Like I can't remember anything. It was just. Just Real Madrid picking you apart at will. It, it's 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 up there now in, in one of the worst nights ever. Really? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Yeah, because I was sat with the owner of the bar, and he's a, he's a scouser, and and like we're like, all right, okay, three two, not ideal. Keep it at that. Keep it at that. You know, you're mm-hmm. still in it. There's no way goals. That's gone. So you don't right. have to worry about that. But three two, four two, five two, <laughs> five goals. This is historic. Five yeah, it never goals. happened in the Champions League. Five goals at Anfield. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Pretty shocking. So Best to round point. it By out. By the way, the people I, I should mention. So and you're gonna hate this. So I tweeted out, someone tweeted uh pour one out for JJ. You know? Oh, I saw this. This is disgusting. So I so I wrote um immediately wrote guys, my Venmo is open on my Twitter. You can never mind pouring one out from it. You can actually buy me one. And to be fair, uh, a bunch of guys did do that, um, and I have to—I just have to give them credit for that. It's, it was—it was such a nice thing to do. Now I want you all to to save your money for the forthcoming merch, which is, I mean, the real point. But um, yeah, it was really great, um, and I—I sh- I should give them mention. Uh, Scott Schultz gave me uh, eight dollars. So I mean, the only thing I'd say, Scott, is there's no room for the tip there. I mean, this is Brooklyn. You are a monster. This is Brooklyn, but thank you. Uh, Wesley Bramer, $10. Wesley's got it down. You're going to pay seven, eight, six, seven, eight for your beer, and you'll have enough to lay down two for your bartender. Uh, Chauncey Onion, $10. Brilliant. And Mark Holler, seven bucks. So I, I do appreciate all you guys. It was um, it was nice of you to do that. And uh, I then I then retracted the offer straight away. I said, guys, don't do that. Please. Well, because you didn't need any more. You were drunk. It was over. The night was over. Now I, you needed to be a good guy I, and say, please, I, please, no, no more. I had no intentions of getting drunk. Uh, or or even, I was just going to have a couple of beers, watch the game, and uh, I did. I, uh, <laughs> I did. Of all the worthy causes out there, it's really something. Yeah, all the things going on in the world, my, my little bit of misery in Brooklyn uh, rang true with people, but people are nice. And so I want you all to know that this is a, this is a longstanding scheme of JJ's. He's not even a soccer fan. He's now going to leave town. He's going to head to the next town, pretend to be a fan of Chelsea. He's going to do the whole thing all over again, just to get three free beers eight years from now. And then he's going to move on to the next town. That's the monorail. uh, I'm the monorail guy, except for Liverpool losses. Another Simpsons reference. Last bit on this to round this out oh, uh, before we move please. to the others. Yeah, can't um, do anymore. So here, here's what I'm going to ask of you. Try for a second. Just oh. try. Take yourself back to 2019 mm. after that first leg against Barcelona in the semifinal. Mm. What were you thinking? 
were there any similarities to the way you were thinking then versus how you're thinking now? No, because we've not. Ba- what, what makes this so much more insurmountable than that one? I, I just want to I want to go through your your thought process here on dealing with these deficits because we and know we how had, that one turned out. We had players missing uh, for that second leg. We didn't have Mohamed Salah right um, for that. Um, uh, Milner started as well, if I remember correctly, and Origi started up front. Um, and Chachi and Chachiri. Like when so, when that ended. When that first leg ended, you thought your Champions League run was over. There was not there was oh, not yeah. an optimistic part of you that was like, okay, hang on. Uh, maybe maybe this is hindsight kicking in, but the, we all remember the messy glare know, when Dembele didn't score, as if you've left a minute. The first five minutes of the game at Anfield that night, the way the team just piled on and rattled Barca. And Henderson had a, had a chance after 20 seconds. That made me feel, we get one here early, we can do something. That We're just not that team anymore. Not that team. What would it take? Let's say you get one in the first 15 minutes. Are you... we, have to sc- we have to score in the first 10, yeah. 10, 15. They're going to suck you back in. They're going to suck you right back in. Um, I, I I don't I I mean there's there's a phrase uh, from home I don't know if you guys have a, a kick from a dying horse yeah yeah I like maybe maybe there's a little bit left in this in this horse uh, Virgil Virgil Van Dyke said afterwards we have almost an impossible job in Madrid in three weeks time but when the time is right we'll focus and we'll give everything and represent the club as good as we can uh, Klopp said basically that it feels like the tie is over but he also said they're going to go there and try to win the game. Which, by the way, is the move. Like, I, I don't want to see any kind of Brendan Rodgers lay down, rest players. That, Please don't do that. Go go for it. I hope they go for it, even with a the, three-goal deficit. The more you reflect on what Rodgers did, the more it was an absolute betrayal of the values of the club, wasn't it? Agreed. I, I, think, he, I think he should have been sacked after that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. It's, it's one in the morning. We're getting takes now. Here we go. He should have been. It was so, it was so wrong. It was. So, we so called wrong. it out that night. It was it was abhorrent, Ethan. Yeah, and I think I mean Gerard, I imagine his last that was his last chance to, to play in the Bernabeu, wasn't it? Yeah. Benched. Yep. All right. Didn't even try. Can't do that. They gotta go for it. No. Um all right, let's move on now. Uh Manchester City, RB Leipzig. Whew, talk about tale of two halves. I saw this stat from Opta Joe, JJ. Um, Manchester City had 74% possession and a passing accuracy of 94.6% in the first half while only facing one shot. In the second half, 49.2% possession, passing accuracy of 84.7%, faced six shots. What the hell happened here? Yeah, it was um, it was a fairly dull game, but that was, that, that was some interesting uh, numbers out of it. What I found really interesting was the way Guardiola talked after it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first of all, he thought that it was a really good, he said, uh, good performance from City, the usual thing that he does. And then and then he said how they couldn't cope and we don't have players like them in transition. I have Ex- quotes here. Do you want them? Except Kyle Walker and, and Erling. He said, they're so, so good there. Uh, you know, well, we cannot match them in, in transition. Go on, you, give us the real quotes. Uh, yeah, he tried to put forth a very proud message following this one. He said, my expectations were not high. I had the feeling that the tie would be decided in the second leg. It's 180 minutes, and I didn't want to lose 4-0 or 4-3 here. We had four games in 10 days. We come here, and then the day after tomorrow, we fly to Bournemouth. I put all this in perspective, and I'm so delighted for the game we played. It's the Champions League. Such a demanding competition. Then he talked about his players' body language after the game, because the players, they were down. Like They had a one-goal lead. They gave it away. They weren't happy. Uh, and you could see him on the field afterwards, JJ. It wasn't immediately clear if he was berating them or if he was trying to lift them up. Well, he made it clear after the game. He said their heads were down. I asked them, why are your heads down? That was really good. They played the game they should play. So he was trying to lift his team's spirits afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Pep. Yeah, and I mean, it could be. It could have been worse. There was a, a horrific miss. Um that uh, that Leipzig had were before the equalizer, before Guardiola's equalizer, where the balls come across and and I can't remember who the attacker was, but he's just 
It's right there. The goal is gaping. All he's got to do is shoot it low and hard across um, Ederson, and he just shanks it wide. Yeah, which was a huge opportunity. But um, I mean, you still, you still, you still see City going through. I mean, it's going to be it's trickier than than perhaps we had anticipated. But you still see them going through in the second leg at home. Like it, it is one one's not terrible. A couple things. So you sometimes talk, especially in the Champions League, about Pep brain. Couple things mm. with that. So he one of the things he references um in in what he was saying there when he said my expectations were not high, I had the feeling the tie would be decided in the second leg. It's 180 minutes and I didn't want to lose four nil or four three here. What? Is that Pep Brain? The thought that he that this Manchester City team, maybe the best team in the world, I don't know. I'm not sure I would say them, but they're in the conversation. Um that he goes into this with the thought that they, I better be careful here or we're going to lose 4 0 to RB Leipzig. Is that him? Is that Pep Brain seeping in here? Yeah, I found that. I found that very strange. I mean, they've got some players, uh, Sabishlai, Forsberg, Timo Werner. Like they do have, they do have that pace and transition that he talked about. And they had Nkunku come off the bench. But like, yeah, that's, that seems a bit overly cautious. Yes. Uh, but he, he, he can be like that. Like he can over, we, we, we know he can overthink things and and get into his own head about sides and and we've I mean we've seen it all the time in the Champions League uh, since he became Manchester City manager, albeit with the one exception last year, which it was just Madrid magic, yeah, um, that beat Manchester City. It wasn't really much more that Guardiola could have done. Um, he he didn't make a single substitution in this game. What yeah. is that? It's the first time a side has not made a single substitution in a Champions League match. Do you know when the last time was? Ooh, Tough to guess. I don't know why I'm asking. Um, Manchester United against Juventus in October of 2018. Mourinho. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but now five I and mean, a half Pep, years. Pep has. Four and a half? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Pep has been kind of um, scanty with the substitutions, but there were certainly some candidates there. Look, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but it's set up to be. I mean, he 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 surely can't overthink the home leg. Um, you still, you still Your fancy lips to City. God's ears. We'll see. Yeah, you still fancy City to go through, but um, and you. Yeah, by the way, you look at the goal that City scored too. Like, oh, I love the back. The back heel from Gundogan was really good. Um, but again, if from comes a Leipzig, off of a mistake. Yeah, from a Leipzig perspective, they're not going to be happy with that. To give to give the ball away to City in that position was was very poor. Yeah, want a little piece of trivia? I think you go can ahead. get this one. With that goal, Riyad Mahrez becomes the fifth African player to score 20 Champions League goals. Want to name the other four? Fifth African player. Um, Samuel Leto. Yep. Uh, Mohamed Salah. Yep. Two more. Didier Drogba. Yeah. And... You're not going to be happy if you don't get it. Go on. You're not going to try. So, what? You're not going to try? Um, Don't think too hard. Sadio Mane. There you go. Oh, God. Silly me. There you go. No, you silly, did it. Silly, silly, JJ. You did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, City, Manchester City's goal, like, if you're Leipzig, you're gonna, they're kicking themselves too. Like, they, they kind of gifted. I mean, City had some work to do after the giveaway. Um, it was a great finish from Mares, but they were. It was a mistake that Leipzig ask, made in the build-up. Can I ask you again? And it's it, it's yet again me asking about a, a an incident. Did Did you think Vardiol climbed on Diaz? He kind of did, but Diaz didn't look like he was making enough of an attempt to get off the ground early enough. Like it was that already kind of too late. That would be my argument. Yeah, but I I, I he kind of did. He I mean, look, he's got to... his hand. His hands are basically on Diaz's shoulders. He does, but Diaz has to do more. Yeah. He has to be more robust there. I, I didn't think. think it was egregious. It was one of those no. where like VAR's not overruling that. That's litigated on the field. You're not going to change that call. So I was generally fine with it. Um, one final thing I wanted to say about this from a Manchester City perspective. Look, for whatever negatives City fans are feeling about this, I just want to say one thing about watching Manchester City of late, like over the last, I mean, a good chunk of the season, but certainly over the last month or so. JJ, I think Jack Grealish, I think it's happening. I think to watch Manchester City right now and watch the way he's playing for them, I think it's coming together. And we've seen this before with other Manchester City players that have come there that didn't it, it didn't work right away. Gundogan, Mares. I think a lot of these guys, it took the second season 
And I think Grealish is no different. And I think you just watch the way they play so much of their attack, so much of their buildup. It's through him. Uh, you know, so I think, I don't know that he'll ever live up. If any player can live up to that kind of price tag in a pep system, because no one guy is like you always say, no one guy is ever going to be that important. Although no. Holland and De Bruyne, I guess would De Bruyne certainly would, would be an exception, but for the most part, um, but if you look at Grealish, his statistics, some of his stats this year on a per 90 minute basis, uh, in terms of carries, he's second in the Premier League. Carry distance, first in the Premier League. Fouls one, second in the Premier League. Open play chances created, fifth in the Premier League. Open play expected assists, second in the Premier League. That's on per 90 statistics. So, like you see all that, you and even beyond stats, Pep always says that Grealish's impact cannot necessarily be quantified in statistics. Right. Just to watch them play, you just see, I think it's 39% of their attack comes down his side. That's the most, uh, you know, versus 34% on the right side, 27% down the middle. Like they're playing through him. So I think, uh, you know, we, we thought it might take time. There were some people who wondered whether or not he would ever fit in a Pep system. He has, I think he had to change the way he plays. Certainly everyone does who goes there, but he's gifted enough where he can do it and still be a great player. And I think it's, I think it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, uh, and you're always in, in a Guardiola team, you're always going to be a cog in a machine as opposed to, he's not. Well, but he's, back. he's more than that. I really think watching them play lately, he's not just a, a cog in a machine. I think he's, I think he's, he's really, he's great. He's a the, great player. Yeah, but the individualism um, that that one would expect from Grealish is it's it's harder to do that in a, a Guardiola system. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's an old chestnut. I can't keep. I feel like I'm going over old ground with that. I still he, think there's somewhere there's a club out there for him where he'd be more of Jack the Lad. Yeah, look, it's not going to be Aston Villa Jack, but that doesn't mean he still can't be great. He's just, he's has to change a little bit. Although even that, we always wondered, uh, if he goes to Man City and has to be the cog in the machine, he's never going to get fouled the way he was. Well, the stats tell you he is. He's among the, the most fouled players in the Premier League. So, yeah, but, but I mean, why, why are you going on about getting fouled? Well, that was always a big thing with him. He what, gets what? play. He carry, look, He's second in the Premier League and carries per 90. And he's, what was it, third in the Premier League, uh, second in the Premier League and fouls one. That, that kind of sounds a lot like Aston Villa Grealish. He's well, just he's, not getting the goals and assists that he got at Villa. Well, and, and bingo, and that's what he's worried about, and that's what his concern about is. That, like we're not we're not projecting this. This is these are the things he said he said himself. And but he I'm wants saying more. if we're if we're talking about what Grealish looked like at Villa, that the the biggest attribute was that he gets the ball, carries it, and then gets hacked somewhere by somebody. The numbers tell you that's happening again now at Man City. It's okay. gonna it looks different, but okay. I like Grealish. It so do I. I. I'm desperate to interview him. Desperate. But um, it might be one of those where I literally have to go and seek him out for, yeah. for that to happen. Yeah. You're going to have to wait outside his house, something like that, like TMZ. Nah, not like that. Oh. Yeah, next time he goes on a, on a tour of New York, I'm just going to have to track him down via the Instagram. Uh, let's see. Don't have a ton on the other ones, JJ, but I do well, want to I mention do. Um, Napoli 2 0 over Eintracht Frankfurt. Napoli, what a, they're just, God, they're just a joy. They're a joy to watch. They are, but I, it, there was, um, I, I think Chucky Lozano is really hitting a bit of stride here. Um, Eintracht started the game decent. Napoli started to take over. Um, and Lozano was just key to everything. He had, he had an excellent game. Um, he, he hit on the penalty uh, that uh, Kvaratskhaya missed. Uh, Lozano hits the post. Lozano hits the post, rather. The re- rebound look like, looks like it's going to be cleared uh, by the Eintracht defender, but it's brilliant. Oshiman nicks in, steals it, but the defender is like halfway through his striking action. Kicked and the he, hell out of him. He kicks him up, yeah. And it's similar to the penalty Messi won against Napoli, against Koulibaly in 2020 in the behind the behind the doors game at the new Camp. Um, Kvarskaya's penalty is saved, but 40th minute, Lozano tears down the right. And it's, I can't tell you how good a cross it is from Lozano uh, to find Oshiman who scores. And Frankfurt then go down to 10 men. Uh, Napoli score again through their uh, captain, Di Lorenzo, after again, Kvarskaya with such a cheeky back heel right into Di Lorenzo's path. 
Napoli are class, man. Absolutely yeah. class. And I, you wonder, is there a world? Is there a world in which they can win Serie A? Yes. But does that world include a run to a final in the Champions League? It's not crazy. It's not crazy. I would give anything for that. It'd be amazing. If you were if you were going to sit here and power rank the remaining teams, I mean, how far are you getting down the list before you get to Napoli? Not far. I mean, what are we? We're talking what? Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Manchester City. Uh, is Napoli ahead of Bayern, Bayern Munich? Mm. I think Napoli are, are more inter- are a better side than Bayern. That's a big thing to say. I feel like they are, though, particularly this season. Look, Bayern are tied right now with Union Berlin, okay? Napoli are blowing everyone out of the water. Hey, we're doing an Union in the club. Oh, really? If I can, if I can figure it out. Okay. <laughs> um, now, Napoli, they're flying. They're, uh, they are incredible to watch. Um, and uh, it seems like, I don't know, this two goals is not... It's not crazy, but for Frankfurt to go to Napoli and turn that around, I don't see that. That would be almost that would be almost as stunning as Liverpool turning around their three goal deficit at uh, at the Bernabeu. I, I don't I don't envision that. Um, so it seems like they're going to have Napoli in the quarterfinals of this yes. tournament. Uh, and then finally, JJ Inter and Porto. It's decided late. Lukaku on as a sub, uh, scoring after his header. Goes off the post, comes back to him, and he smashes it home, and it gives Inter Milan a one-goal victory over FC Porto. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this one, except that Porto had their chances um, and could have scored themselves, but it's a, it felt like such a big moment for Lukaku. Um, coming off the bench, scoring. Like he's had such a wretched time, that, that uh, Belgium-Croatia game. Nightmares about it. And uh, like he's not he's not the the starting striker for Inter now. Like it's amazing uh, the longevity and the ability of Jeko to get because he's a f- good few years younger than Jeko and he's keep Jeko's keeping him out of the side. So yeah, Jeko didn't look too happy to be coming off. Came no. off in the fifty eighth for Lukaku. No, but the uh, manager annoyed. was vindicated. Henri reckons he's trimmed down a bit. He looks fitter. Lukaku. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that too. Actually. Yeah, I didn't hear Henri say that. That's interesting. He did. Yeah. Uh, Henri was in good form this week in, in the Champions League. Uh, but yeah, I, I so... have one other note on this game. Okay, go ahead. I don't know if you were about to say something. I, I think the save of the Champions League may have occurred in this game. Right before the half, um, Diogo Costa, he, you gotta, if you haven't seen it, you I have seen to. It, no. um, a flicked header from point-blank range. I, I don't know how the human brain can even tell the appendage to move this quickly. Like the header, it just happened so fast. And it was so the proximity of, of where the flick occurred to where Costa was in net. It was like, it couldn't have been more than like three yards, but he just reaches his arm out and, and saves what was a sure goal. You saw um, all of Inter drop to their knees, just stunned that, that, that they weren't celebrating a goal. They couldn't believe it. Go back and watch it. I don't I don't think you'll see a better save in the Champions League this year. I think we might have just gotten our save at the Champions League. That is high praise. High praise indeed. Yeah. And it came... Uh, Onana had a great save as well in the 57th. Uh, the, the double save. Uh, so you, there was a little bit of uh, high-class goalkeeping on display in this one. But yeah, both teams had their chances. But it's Lukaku, like you said, who really needed it, who gets the winner. And Inter now, both Milan clubs... Um, up a goal uh, after the first leg. So we'll see. That could, boy, that would be something if they wound up. If Nap, all this stuff about Syria, if uh, if all the Premier League clubs go out and then Napoli, Inter Milan, and AC Milan all advance to the quarterfinals, huh. that'd be that'd be amazing. How about that? It's, yeah. it's possible. It's possible. It certainly is right now. Uh, we should mention uh, Manchester United and Barcelona tomorrow. Yeah. Um, if, I think after that game, I'm going to try and do a Twitter space. It's a big statement. It is a big statement. So at CO Soccer Pod, get over there. We'll we'll have a wee chat about that game because I think it has the potential to be a cracker. It's two two, back to Old Trafford. Um, 
I think it could be amazing. I have two items before we get out, Andrew. I have I one as well. Okay. Um, so uh, we, we spoke about the, the Qatari takeover of Manchester United and uh, a couple of people have been in touch. Most of our Manchester United supporting listeners, if I may be so bold as to speak for them, some of the comments that they've made to us have suggested that they don't want this to happen. Trey Pisano says, JJ is completely right about the Man United takeover. As a Man United fan, I'm completely connect, um, conflicted over this. This is my club. I love it, but I would hate to be owned by a Qatari club. It would break by a Qatari club, Qatari um, government, you mean? Yeah. It would It would break my heart if a country that doesn't respect human rights owns my club. Um, and not entirely uh, removed from that, uh, men in blazers, they put this out on Instagram. So there will be a government-appointed uh, independent regulator to help prevent a repeat of the financial failings seen at Derby County, Bury, and Macclesfield Town. So football will have its regulator. There'll be a strengthened owners and directors test to protect clubs and their fans from unscrupulous owners. Fans will be given greater say in the running of clubs and key heritage, such as team names, badges, and stadia, are at the core of the new plans. Powers to block, powers to block English clubs from joining unpopular breakaway likes leagues like the European Super League, which is hmm. And plans follow the government accepting recommendations from the fan-led review of football governance led by Tracy Crouch, CBE MP. Now, I think it's a good thing to have an independent regulator to protect football. I do understand why people will say, well, how do independent regulators work out when they were supposed to look after banking and other sources of, uh, of woe over the last decade? Often the regulator was asleep at the wheel or in some cases utterly compromised. Who's watching the watcher? Exactly. Who um who will guard who will guard the Coast Guard? Um Yeah. So it's it's one of those I I but, you'd like. ra- but would you rather have it than not have it? Oh much prefer have it. All right, well definitely. So, so just um, take it and be happy. As long as they've got the, the far reaching powers that they need. That's that's the only thing I thought I uh, we would introduce this because it's going to happen and I am very curious as to who will be appointed I think you should do it you have my vote um, the fact I live in America I'm not English oh. and uh, I, there, there might be a few obstacles Andrew okay well think thanks for the recommendation uh, the, the thing I wanted to mention JJ the US women won the She Believes Cup tonight it was basically inevitable but they officially go out and do it and do it in some style beating Brazil 2-1 um, shockingly, uh, Mallory Swanson scored again. <laughs> she she can't stop. But also, for the first time in this tournament, somebody not named uh, Mallory Swanson scored for the U.S. Alex Morgan did, and it was a historic goal at that. Um, JJ, it was Alex Morgan's 14th goal since the birth of her daughter in 2020. That is a record for most team uh, for most goals for the U.S. Women's National Team as a mom. Pretty cool. And, yeah, and. She's one of the veterans in that squad now, so it's uh that is very good. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was Mallory Swanson who spoke about Alex Morgan setting that new mark after uh she talked about it after the game, um, saying that it's it's inspiring for a lot of these players, you know, who want to be moms but are afraid of how it might interfere with their with their career as an athlete. And I think Alex Morgan has set an example that you you can do both. You can you can be a mom and you can be an elite athlete. And I think she has inspired not just kids, but I think her her own teammates. Um, so props to the U.S. women. Uh, like we've talked about, some of the performances lately have been a little bit uneven. But, I mean, I guess we'd all love uneven performances like this. Three wins in this tournament. They win their fourth straight, she believes, cup. Uh, really the last, I mean, I think they have, a, I think, three games left between now and the World Cup. Um, this really, though, the last truly meaningful action. Uh, and they they hoist the trophy once more. So congratulations to the the U.S. Women's National Team on uh, on getting it done. Mallory Swanson. I mean, if that's if that's not the story that comes out of this, then I don't know what is. Because boy, did she, you know, if if players are looking for opportunities to establish themselves and give Blacko and Danofsky no choice but to consider them not just for the team but for, in a starring role for the team come the World Cup. I mean, you got to tip your cap to Mallory Swanson. She did all that and more in this tournament. She was brilliant, incredible. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one final thing, oh. Andrew. Your revelation about washing hair. Uh, well, it wasn't mine. I told you I took it from um, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. They talked about it. Yeah, well, um, you were speaking about it on our podcast. Uh, some guy said, you do you, Andrew. You can shampoo your hair twice. A lot of people chimed in and said, yeah, it's twice. probably a good idea, good idea to, like, if you're washing your hair twice a week to on the second wash, not to put any shampoo in. But it's uh, it's amazing the things that, that come out of a, of a podcast that get talked about way more than the football. And that was one of them. I mean, I looked at the Reddit. So Newman always puts up the, the um, you know, the the episode discussion. And uh, yeah, the the episode discussion was mostly about um, was mostly about the shampoo. So that's good. I spent the entire week watching soccer and researching soccer, and uh, no one gave a damn. <laughs> um, Jad the Red says shampoo once or once every five or six days. However, I use conditioner every day. Mm. Uh, shampoo and conditioner every shower. However, I don't shower every day. So where does that put me? <laughs> well, that's a whole new discussion. Uh, twice a week. Well, you don't need mm, for some days. You don't need to shower. I shower every single day and no uh, one's going to get me to change off that. Uh, twice a week shampoo condition once. Um, I'm like Andrew. I shampoo every time. My shower life has been a lie. Yeah, um, I don't so anymore. I've only shampooed. Uh, it's it's now Thursday morning. I've shampooed. I'm going every other day now, I think, is is my new standard. And then there's someone who just doesn't get the the, the stupid Mallory Swanson joke I made, which I did. Like, I mean, it was bad, but I leaned into the badness of it. Uh, and I, this guy says, uh, DJ Rob Ford, um, who just, <laughs> I mean, he may be a new listener. Welcome if you are, but you 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 don't seem to have the uh, the tenor or the the tone of this podcast. The Mallory Swanson joke was the most cringe-inducing moment of this podcast in recent memory. Um, He's not wrong. He's yeah, but he yeah, he just I don't think he gets the the uh, why. Well, I think he means because I made you. We spent a solid four no, minutes. It on was it. yeah, but it was it was it was hilarious how you wouldn't let. You, but you that was the point was to yeah, make. I, I, I wanted everyone to cringe. Exactly. I don't think he got that the cringe was the point of it. Oh, so, poor. But there we are. He would well, hate. The, he would for, hate the work of Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais made a career out of those embarrassing cringe moments, and especially about a guy who thinks he can joke uh, in David Brent in the office. So poor old, uh, in terms of comedy, I don't know where DJ Rob Ford has been for the last 15 years. By the way, I sent you the Leon Lett clip. What'd you think? Uh, Had you really never seen it? Uh, No, I had seen it. Yeah. Uh, But I put it, I suppose, to the back of my mind because it was in a game that uh, didn't matter. Uh, But it's so memorable. Not in a game that didn't matter, but at a point in the game when like it was, the game was over. The tracking back of the of the Buffalo defender was just excellent. Don Beebe. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but there we are. That's it. Well, there you go. There you go. Like I said, uh, MLS season preview podcast. Keep your eyes open for that. It might be on our feed already. Uh, if you're listening to this pod immediately, you may not see it just yet, but keep refreshing. It'll be there uh, early mid-afternoon on Thursday. Uh, hey, this was fun. JJ, um, We'll do it again. Uh, we'll do it again next week, right? That's that's what we do. We never stop. Nope, we never stop. Hey, JJ, to you I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you, man. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 